0: The
1: old windows, News Radio 923 and AM sixteen twenty. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Hope you are having a great Saturday afternoon. I can tell you this uh, cooler weather that we've been having, man, it's definitely uh, putting us in the right frame of mind for the Christmas season. And that's great because we're going to be talking about the Christmas season today. Uh, I've got two of my favorite pop culture prognosticators on the line with me this morning. We are going to discuss traditional Christmas movies. Now, last week we talked about uh, kind of the non-traditional ones, the ones that have become holiday favorites that aren't really necessarily like your traditional Christmas, santa claus or christmas romance or family christmas celebration type movies i'm talking about your movies like die hard and uh gremlins and shazam and batman returns that are set at the holidays and they definitely have the holiday element to them but they're not you know what you think of when you think of you know your traditional holiday movies so this week i thought now that we're a little deeper into the season everybody's getting comfortable with it being christmas time we got got a little distance from thanksgiving that we would, uh, we would dig into those kinds of, you know, the, the family fun, heartwarming kind of movies that we, we love this time of year. And I've got two great people to talk about that with me. First of all, joining me from the Movies Are Terrible channel, Jeremy Branch.
2: Julio, right now, as we are doing this, as we are recording, I am looking at your face because I am editing a thumbnail for tonight's podcast, which uh, you guys are going to be able to check out on the Movies Are Terrible YouTube channel after this show goes live. Let's go, Pensacola. I'm looking forward
1: to it. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Movies Are Terrible channel, please do so because Jeremy has all kinds of great content up there, and, and sometimes I'm in it. and, but, and even, That's right. And even then it's usually pretty okay.
2: I would say if anything it's a slight it classes the place up a little bit when you're there. Oh uh, yeah,
1: that's very kind of you to say. I think you maybe have been dipping into the Christmas eggnog, but uh, uh <laughs> but, but but all right. And also joining the uh long time fixture on the Pensacola entertainment scene. You will remember him from years and years of writing the front row theater column in uh in the Pensacola News Journal and in the weekender, which I had the privilege to edit for several years. Andy Metzger.
0: Yes, it's great to be here.
1: Uh, great to have More you as well. It. Thank you for thank you for jumping in on this uh, this festive discussion that we're going to have this morning about uh, about some of our favorite holiday movies. You know, uh, I was kind of thinking about this topic on the way in, and there's there's three movies that I kind of have every year that are go tos for me, and I realized that uh, one of them probably shouldn't have been discussed this week. It probably should have been discussed last week, and that's. Incredibly enough, when you hear the name, you're going to be shocked when I say it, by me saying that. But White Christmas, White Christmas doesn't have a whole lot to do with Christmas. I mean, it's it's in there, and certainly the song is in there. And of course, you know the the Irving Berlin song is a you know is a perennial, and the the film was kind of built around that song, which was originally written for uh, a very similar movie that came out a couple of years earlier called Holiday Inn. Uh, that. Uh, was built around this concept of a of an inn that was only open for holidays and so they in that fil- particular film they had white christmas but they also had songs for different holidays uh a few years later they remade it with a, a similar cast bing crosby back uh playing uh, kind of the one of the male co-leads uh, but with danny k as the as the, the second male lead and uh it's not uh it's not necessarily about the holidays but the the climax of the film takes place at christmas but the entirety of the film is really more about uh the friendship between these two men who were army buddies who went on to become uh stage stars together big time producers and creators and they find out that their their old uh their old army bosses uh bought an inn up in vermont uh, and there's no snow, so nobody's there. So they're trying to save the end, and they've in, in, in the same time they fall in love with these two girls who are also performers. And there's all this stuff about about stage performance and about friendship and about romance. But Christmas isn't really what the movie is about. It's just kind of there. So I, I realized, you know, I, I missed the missed the boat. So I'm going to get a little disgu- I'm going to get my little discussion in on that because I love the movie. It is my movie that I put on while I'm wrapping gifts every year but uh right. but it's not a movie that belongs in this week's discussion <laughs> it belonged in last week's discussion uh and you know, andy when when i asked you last night about coming on you mentioned another movie that uh, you know that we did talk about last week uh and i i wanted to give you a chance to just talk about it briefly because i know it's one of your favorites and that's it's a wonderful
0: life absolutely it's a wonderful life i can't help thinking of it as a christmas movie because that's when i watch it each year But you're absolutely right. It has that looser connection to Christmas itself. To me, it's just a very inspiring story. I get all emotional down the stretch every time when I watch It's a Wonderful Life. And, of course, James Stewart is absolutely brilliant in it. Donald Reed, Lionel Barrymore, it's it's just a classic film. And it feels like Christmas, but you're right. It's sort of on that borderline area.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has become a holiday classic and it has become a film that, you know, a lot of the various channels air every year because uh, for one reason or the other, um, Frank Capra, who made the film, allowed it to go into public domain, uh, which normally a film of that age shouldn't be. So I don't I don't know what the the call was there, but so anybody can air it or issue it without having to pay any rights on it. So so that's kind of how it kind of entered the public lexicon, because it wasn't a big hit when it first came out. I know that. Although it did, although it did get a few Oscar nominations, but it, it wasn't a big commercial hit. But it was a film that Capra believed in very much, and was that he considered his favorite film of the films that he made. He would screen it for his family every year at the holidays. And, and, and uh,
0: yeah, but, along with his legendary roles, its legendary roles—it's possibly one of the two or three for which he's best known.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, now it has become this. You know. Like you said, you know, it's a holiday classic, even though the, the actual connection to the holidays is very slim. It's it's there. Yeah. It takes place on Christmas Eve. Uh, you have an angel, but the angel isn't really necessarily a Christmas angel. He's just a guardian angel. Uh, but then, you know, the, the thing that everybody thinks about is is that famous last scene in the film. and. I'm not going to spoil anything but when i say that you know everybody's gathered around the christmas tree and uh, some kind of breeze blows through and the the bell on the tree rings and right. the, the little daughter says teacher says every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings and <laughs> and uh you know so it's it, it's meant for george bailey to believe that clarence the angel has gotten his wings from from helping george which is great you know and that's you know kind of the it's the it's the bow on the on the present as it were, but, uh, it's not necessarily a Christmas connection. And it's funny cause there, there are movies like that, that even though that we think of them as this, uh, you know, we think of them as traditional Christmas movies that aren't really traditional Christmas movies, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's weird, but they, they just become those kinds of holiday favorites. And, you know, I think, um, uh, whereas some of the ones that we, you know, we really talked about more in depth last week had, uh, had more obvious Christmas connections than, than those do, but they're not, people don't necessarily think of them as a Christmas movie. I mean, like, and and, you know, the primary example I can give you for that is Gremlins. uh, Yeah. Because Gremlins is, you know, Gizmo is a Christmas present. Everything about the film is Christmas oriented. There's Christmas music on the soundtrack there, but people don't think about that as a Christmas movie, but it's absolutely locked into the season. That movie is,
2: is Christmas. I feel the same way with you on that one, Julio. That's one that I'm I'm glad you brought up for a second, because that's one that I have a deep connection to. And if I'm not mistaken, it starts off with Christmas. Yeah, the, the, the
1: darling love, Christmas baby, please come home. Yeah, the classic.
2: And then we've got Phoebe Cate's wonderful monologue that is specifically related to, I mean, Santa Claus in the most morbid way you could possibly (laughs) think of. But I I absolutely love that scene. But, yes, I'm I'm glad you brought up Gremlins. And then just for another outside-the-box pick, uh, you guys both had really, really excellent uh, selections as well. But this is a new staple of mine, and it's called Anna and the Apocalypse, and it's actually available for streaming on Hulu. It's a... Christmas zombie musical. Three things that you traditionally don't think of together, but the the combination works extremely well. It's almost like if you took High School Musical and mixed it with Shaun of the Dead, you would be pretty close to what Anna and the Apocalypse is. But it's a very fun movie, definitely set in the holidays, Christmas-themed songs in it and stuff. So uh, I, I, I'm just kind of like championing that one this year because it's one that I feel like kind of went under the radar.
1: I'll definitely have to check that one out. Guys, we've got to take our first break. When we come back, we are going to dig into the actual traditional holiday stuff. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92 3 and AM 1620. ninety 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking about Christmas movies, and uh, the, this time we're talking about the more traditional Christmas movies. Uh, we've got Jeremy Branch and Andy Metzger on the line with us this morning. And I wanted to start off with uh, what you just heard a little bit of music from. Uh, yes. Because that's another movie that some people might not think of as a traditional Christmas movie. Uh, And that is The Nightmare Before Christmas. But Uh it's hard to think of a movie that is more traditionally Christmas. Yes, it is about Halloween in a little little bit of ways. But it really is about Christmas. It is about Jack Skellington uh, discovering that Christmas exists and wanting to celebrate everything about the Christmas season and trying to teach all of his friends about Christmas and... Uh, as awkward as their attempts at taking over Christmas are and, and, and misguided, they're they're very much in the holiday spirit. And there's, you know, Santa Claus is a real person in this film. And, you know, it, it's one of those there, there's kind of like I said at the start of the show, there's kind of those categories of Christmas movies. There's the movies that are like about Santa and, you know, Santa is real and the holidays and that kind of thing. There's the movies that are like the Christmas romance kind of movies. And then there's the, uh, you know, the family Christmas type films where the whole family's gathered together to to celebrate the holidays and that sort of thing. So this falls into that first category. This is a film that, you know, is very much about the traditional celebration of Christmas and about Santa Claus and all of that Christmas magic. And I I just love this movie. And uh, I, I know I'm not alone in that because it's got a. A huge following uh, and uh, Andy I heard you agreeing so I'm gonna let you talk a little bit
0: well I love this film too Julio the the pure quirky creativity that Burton put into this the animation and as a longtime theater musical theater person, it has a it has a lot of great musical moments and that just beautifully creepy budding romance between Jack Skellington and Sally that unfolds in the course of the movie. Um, and you're right. It's, before it's over, it's completely captured, the message of Christmas. And a we'll little bit of Halloween in the beginning, as you said, but so many people's uh, just high on their list of favorites. I, I rank it as one of my two favorite animated Christmas films. So I'm on board with this one.
1: Well, and that you you mentioned there is that romance element of it too, so it does have a little bit of that that Christmas romance element to it as well that uh maybe yeah, you know, maybe, maybe just gives it another little bit of a, a notch to put it into that category. Uh Jeremy, how about you? Are you a fan of this film?
2: Oh, of course. Yeah, I wanna definitively end the debate right now. Like, let's just let's just put a pin in this. Uh because the 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 movie's got Christmas in the title and I think that true to what you were kind of touching on, Julio like the arc is in many ways similar to, I mean, even A Christmas Carol or The Grinch, only it's this cool inversion where instead of Jack Skellington being your Scrooge character or your Grinch character, it's almost like Halloween Town is a little bit that. And he's kind of come and proselytizes this idea of Christmas to these uh, this group of people that that's so outside of their uh you know their space or whatever, so I, I, I love that movie. But yes, I think while it starts out in Halloween town or Halloween land or Ville, whatever it is, it, it very much is rooted in this uh, very traditional Christmas messaging. And it is called The Nightmare Before Christmas. So, the argument that some people make that it's a Halloween movie, maybe if it started out in Christmas town and then ended up in, in where Jack Skellington was at, I could understand that, that debate a little bit better. But yes, I feel like, um, you know, kind of um, kind of to Andy's point that, you know, in the tradition of Rankin and Bass, you know, all the way back to the Rudolph, there's something special about seeing stop motion around the holiday times. And Nightmare Before Christmas is, has been a favorite of mine for a really long time. And it's also responsible for stocking about seventy-five percent of Hot Topic shelves. So, uh, props to them for
1: that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's absolutely true. See, I'll, I'll take it a little bit further. I think it is both a Halloween movie and a Christmas movie, and I think that it's a movie that you can start watching really. Oh, you know, I'm one of those people that would love for Halloween to go on for three or four months. So, I'll say like by yeah. the time by the time the spirit store opens, which is usually August, you know some people will go as far as to say July 5th because there's not really a major holiday after uh after the 4th of July until Halloween but i I'll, I'll keep it a little conservative and say you know about August you can start watching that movie and you can watch it clear through the end of the year uh, and it's the the one part of christmas that i don't mind encroaching on on the period before thanksgiving cuz ordin- ordinarily I've said this many times. I'm sure I've said it on the air before Christmas starts when Santa pulls into Herald square at the end of the Macy's parade before that. I don't want to mm. hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't, I get upset that, you know, the stuff starts getting out in the stores early and earlier. I don't want to hear the all Christmas channel on uh you know, Pensacola's playlist here in Pensacola uh or, or anywhere else. I, I don't want to hear it until, you know, really black Friday, but I'll accept it at you know. <laughs> I'll accept it starting at about noon on Thanksgiving Day because that's I'm when, with you. That's when Santa pulls into Herald Square. That's that is the start yeah. start of Christmas. So I am uh, I'm not one of those that wants you know Christmas in July. You know I, I don't I don't don't need the Hallmark Channel uh, July marathon movies of uh, Christmas movies. I can wait until. Well, I I, I got to be honest with you. I'm uh, I'm not the the Hallmark Channel. Target audience. I, I don't think I've ever watched any of those uh, ubiquitous nine million. I think they make five or five or six hundred more new ones every year, in addition to running all of the old ones. Uh, <laughs> yes, so, do. so you know, I I know there's a big audience for that. I'm not knocking it. You know, if that's if that's your jam, awesome. I I know you're loving this time of year. I think Hallmark Channel and Lifetime both do that, if I'm not mistaken, where they just. Kind of yeah, go over to all holiday movie programming for a couple of months.
0: I've never watched a Hallmark uh, Christmas movie. I confess.
1: No, no Hallmark. Neither back. have I. But I noticed you didn't say you haven't watched the Lifetime Channel, Andy. I,
0: I, I haven't haven't watched one of those either. I, I guess I need to at least watch one of these, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely, you know, like I said, an audience for that. I think we're starting to see that kind of stuff come to some of the streaming services. Uh, and in fact, uh, the the name of it has just gone out of my head. But there is a uh,
2: Vanessa Hudgens one called The Christmas Prince that came out, I think, last year. And then there's a sequel this year. And I feel like while they are not Lifetime or uh, Hallmark, as you said, they are like the spiritual successor of those kind of. And so my wife and I watched that one last year we haven't seen the sequel to it yet but i feel like kind of to your point julio that they're kind of moving a bit of that programming to streaming and it's kind of finding new life among people that don't necessarily watch uh niche programming like hallmark or like lifetime so while uh while i'm not always a fan of those i guess i would kind of put christmas prince in that category and it's all right i i don't know that i would recommend it to either of you guys but if you're just kind of Bored, hanging out, and looking for something a little, a little more saccharine, a little more maybe targeted towards um, younger audiences, and it's it's not a bad watch. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, there definitely has been, you know, already some solid streaming holiday hits that have come out in the past couple of years. Uh, of course, last year uh, it seemed like the the Christmas movie everybody was talking about last year uh, was The Christmas Chronicles on Netflix sure. with, with Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. Uh, and they've actually made a sequel to that this year that they've come along with, and uh, he's brought Goldie Hawn, his longtime partner, along to play Mrs. Claus. I guess she had a little cameo in the first one, but uh, in this one she's featured in the in the full film. So that that certainly is is one. And then the other one that I remember a lot of buzz about last year that I I haven't gotten around to seeing yet, and kind of surprised at myself that I haven't because uh, I really love Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader who are the stars of it, and, and that's called Noël, and that's on Disney Plus. And, uh, they play the children of Santa Claus and, and Bill Hader is supposed to take over the holiday and, and, uh, doesn't. So, uh, Anna Kendrick has to step in and she is Noel, not N O E L, but N O E L L E. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of good happy buzz about that film last year. And I didn't quite get around to seeing it, uh, but I need to. And then, uh, there's one this year that, uh, that, uh, Falls into that kind of could be a uh, lifetime Hallmarky kind of thing, but it's uh, been done for Hulu. Uh, it's called Happiest Season. Uh, oh, okay, just came out this year, uh, and it stars Kristen Stewart, who who is a uh, young woman who is uh, LGBT, but she is not out to her family, and she has brought her. Uh, her partner along uh, to see the family for the holidays and the partner unbeknownst to her is planning to propose to her, uh, which, you know, results in her being outed to her family at the holidays. It's on Hulu uh, and gotten a lot of good buzz. So, you know, and I think that's kind of cool because it combines a lot of the things that you love about holiday movies, but it takes it in a progressive direction uh, to where, you know, we're seeing something that's very much of the moment and of modern times. Uh, So, you know, that's one I, in fact, I was going to try to watch it uh, before we did the show, uh, but unfortunately, I just didn't have time, had a, uh, had a busy evening last evening. Uh, But Mm. that's, that's out there to check out. um, And uh, one that I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, So we're kind of, we're kind of going scattershot because we started talking with the magic and then we got off on a contingent. I I wanted to talk a little bit more like those magical kind of Christmas movies and, uh, Andy, you mentioned one to me last night that is, you know, everybody knows and is a perennial classic, and that's, of course, Miracle on 34th Street.
0: Yes. That is one of the classic Christmas movies with Ed Wynn as Kris uh, Kringle. What I like about this story is the air the of mystery about it. You never really know if this man who calls himself Kris Kringle really is Santa Claus, but He embodies the spirit of Santa Claus. And the whole courtroom scene finale, the climax of the film, is just beautifully done. Uh, I think a lot of people would put this very high on their list. And I've seen uh, PLT's stage version, version of it recently, and I thought they did a fantastic job capturing the essence of this film. And the lead character has got so much on him and that's to convey so much. Um, he has to be strong, and he has to be mysterious and heartwarming all at once. So, yeah, it's a classic.
1: And I, I'm just going to settle that argument right now. Yes, he's Santa.
0: He's, they they he's, leave it open. They he, leave it open. No, you, you, he's Santa. Believe- no argument. He's Santa. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I give in.
1: We do have to take another break, guys. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News ninety 92.3 and AM 1620.
0: But baby, it's cold outside I've got to go baby, away Baby, it's cold outside This evening has been I'm hoping that you drop in so very nice in. I'll hold your hands there just like My I am
1: News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620 Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola I am your host, Julio Diaz we are talking about Christmas movies today with Jeremy Branch and Andy Metzger, and uh, I wanted to play a little bit of uh, that particular version of Baby, It's Cold Outside, because uh, that was from the movie Elf, and uh, that is a movie that is one of my absolute must-sees every year. That's one I watch definitely every year for Christmas, and uh, falls into kind of two of the categories that we were talking about Uh these Christmas movies fall into, and and to an extent, uh, three of them, all three of them really, because it is very much about the magic of Christmas. And you do have, you know, the North pole is real. Santa's real, uh, you know, buddy uh, who's played by Will Ferrell, the lead character is a human child that accidentally ended up in Santa's pack and is raised as an elf. And, um, and then uh, finds out that he's human leaves to go find his father Uh, So it's got that family element to it, too. Uh, But as he's doing that and living in New York City, he meets a girl and falls in love. And the girl's played by Zoe Deschanel, who you just heard singing there. And, uh, man, I just I love everything about this movie. It's funny. It's touching. It's heartwarming. It's 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 the complete package. And, uh, you know, there's I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but. Uh, it has one of those scenes in it that, you know, it has, when we're talking about the Christmas magic thing, you know, one of those things is is about belief, you you know, it's, and I don't mean belief in the religious sense, but like belief in Santa and belief in the spirit of Christmas and that sort of thing. And there's a scene where that kind of like, if you believe in fairies, clap your hands kind of magic goes on. Uh, And, um, it just gets me every time, man. I just, uh, I, the waterworks come, and uh, it, but in a good way, not like in an, oh my God, I'm so sad way. It, it's just like, just the, the spirit overwhelms and it starts leaking out of your eyes for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but, but I, I'm just a, a huge fan of this movie and above and beyond all of the things that I just said, uh, one of the other things I love about this movie is that, this is uh, a film that if we hadn't had this film, I don't know that we would have ended up having the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. Because this is d- directed by John Favreau, uh, it was w- really his first big, major motion picture film. I mean, he'd done a, an indie film called Swingers uh, that a lot of people have seen that I really love, but uh, uh-huh. this was his first like big budget film. You know, he had some success with it. It led to him getting a film called Zathura, uh, which was kind of a Jumanji in space kind of thing, uh, that led, uh, that was the film that led Marvel to say, okay, we're going to give this guy a chance and give him Iron Man, uh, because, you know, they saw that he could handle the big effects and all of that. And, uh, you know, here we are 10 plus years later, he's, uh, one of the go-to guys. He's not only the, the bedrock of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he is, uh, the creator of The Mandalorian on Disney+, and uh, very heavily involved in that show. You know, he's given us nerds, you know, all the stuff that we love, basically. So, uh, you know, above and beyond just the fact that Elf is a a gift that keeps on giving, uh, it's given us so much more.
2: Uh, This man just now credited Elf with the creation of the Avengers. So you guys are welcome for that. That's, that's such a good point, Julio. Like I've never thought about that before. Yeah, Uh, no, it's absolutely true.
1: It's a direct, it's a direct line. If, you know, if Elf had bombed, you know, I mean, we might've still gotten an Iron Man movie or whatever, but it may not have been as good. It may not have led to, you know, 26 and counting films that, uh, that were, yeah, that's interesting. You know, if Iron Man had bombed, you know, they wouldn't have made all the other movies that
2: followed if Iron Man had bombed. No, no, you're right. And I, I echo a lot of the things that you said about Elf. I'm actually a recent convert. There were there were years that that movie was out that I just didn't see it and just didn't get around to watching it. You know, we've discussed just kind of blind spots and how we prioritize our viewing and things like that. But Elf was never really at the top of my list. It wasn't until years later that I was like, well, it's Christmas time. I might as well give this one a shot and was profoundly uh, just impressed by how, funny it is it is a outlandishly silly premise that is handled in such a way that like you said it can it ranges the spectrum from genuine belly laughs to having these really sweet sentimental moments in it that you connect to on an emotional level that really take you back to so like you said that just that the the feeling the nostalgia the 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 place where it touches you on your soul as far as you know memories of of being a kid memories of kind of growing up and and that christmas spirit you know the thing that we always kind of talk about that's it's a uh, it's it's something that I feel film is able to pull out of me more than almost anything else. I mean, the sense of smell is also really important, but putting on a movie that takes me back is just like such a, a powerful, emotional experience. And I feel like Elf captures that.
1: Well, it's so masterful at doing those kinds of things without ever getting to be saccharine or cloying. I mean, even, correct, you know, you, you mentioned stop motion animation earlier, you know, Favreau makes use of stop motion animation in this film. And there's that very much that the North Pole has that kind of Rankin-Bass feel to it where, you know, you've got those kinds of creatures. You've got a snowman narrating it just like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, yeah. with, again, um, much like uh, that particular animated special was narrated by uh, Burl Ives, you know, the great folk musician. They brought in a great musician to play that character, Leon Redbone, who was the other voice that you heard on that version of Baby uh-huh. Outside uh he, yeah, well, is he is the narrator he's the he's the the snowman that narrates the film uh you've got you know these great uh you know winter creatures that are done in this stop motion animation style and paying tribute to that there's all kinds of things that pay tribute to what's come before but it's never cloying and it's never overbearing it's just you know and it, it's and at the same time it still has that that will Ferrell all kind of comedy Touch where there's the the quotable lines that you're you're going to be you know, hollering at, at your friends, yeah, you know, son of a nutcracker and you know, things like that. Yeah, uh, Andy, are you a fan of this film?
0: Big fan of the film. Two things I'd like to say about Elf. First of all, the first time I watched it, Will Ferrell kind of had to win me over with this sometimes manic portrayal of Buddy, but he did, and. It didn't take long for me to admire his utter commitment to creating this character. The pure energy that he gives it and the nuance that he gives the role, just it, it's a classic portrayal by him. And again, as I said about James Stewart earlier uh, in Miracle on 30, oh, Season of Miracle right? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, this is one of the roles for which Will Ferrell is best known. Uh, this Christmas film is one of, that many people think of for him. The other thing I'd like to say, a lot of people won't know this, New York One reporter, late in the film, uh, attracted young lady with the microphone in the park.
1: Who wishes her boyfriend would just get, give her a ring and uh, commit already.
0: I, that's Gulf Breeze's own Claire Lafayette. He's from Gulf Breeze. Oh, Beach, wow. Lossier. Yeah, uh, Claire... I knew her back in her high school days when she was doing local theater, and I was writing about her in the '80s. That's that's a local girl playing New York One reporter. So there's some tribute. How for cool
2: is that? Is that
1: yet another yeah. uh, another graduate of the Margie Timmons program at Gulf Breeze High School?
0: Yes. In fact, when they did Elf on stage at PSC back in December of last year. She made a point of letting all of her students know that, oh, by the way, one of our graduates was in the film. So that was a big connection for her.
1: That's really great. That's really great. Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, you mentioned the the manic energy that Will Ferrell has in this movie. And that's, of course, you know, attributed to that he always eats the elves for four food groups, candy, candy corn, candy (laughs) cane,
0: and syrup. (laughs) I forgot that.
1: Yes, yes. So yeah, you know, he, he. I think he sleeps like an hour a night and uh, <laughs> is able to you know build entire winter wonderlands in the blink of an eye. So, uh, you know, it, it's just everything about the the film is just so good. You know, you also have one of the things we didn't even mention is you have these these classic actors that uh, that have yeah. roles in this film. You know, Bob Newhart playing his his adoptive father, so good and so deadpan and so. So, Bob Newhart, you know, basically it's, it's, a, it's, it is a, it, it might as well be Bob Hartley from the Bob Newhart show as an elf. You know, it, it, it's, it's that kind of force. And then you've got, of course, the great Ed Asner as Santa. And I think one, one of, arguably one of the great cinematic Santas that the, there is out there. He's just so good and, and he, he's got that like world weary spirit to it that, uh, just, I I just I love him as Santa, and then you know, uh, of course, his uh, his buddy's real father is played by James Caan, his, uh, his, who's uh, now married to Mary Steenburgen.
0: Just Mary Steenburgen's in there, yeah.
1: yeah I mean, just a, a, a great cast, and you know, a lot of people that are you know, veteran Emmy and in Mary Steenburgen's case, Oscar winners. Uh, the, and then you know, you you're com You've got that along with like this new generation that was it, that are not new to us now, but at the time they were, with Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel. I love everything about this movie. I could talk about this Agreed. movie, this movie it, all day long. It is an absolute must see of the holiday season for me, and it really does have you know, like like I said, I keep going back to. There's the three, uh, the three types of holiday movies, and this one really has. All three. It's 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 just got all the pieces just fall into place and this is it might be the perfect holiday movie. I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna say it. It's the perfect holiday movie.
2: We got it's the hot take.
1: That's my hot take. It is the perfect holiday movie. Uh we do have to take another break, guys. We'll be back in just a moment with more. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio ninety-two three and AM sixteen twenty. <laughs> ninety two three and a m sixteen twenty welcome back to Let's go, Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. We are talking with Jeremy Branch and Andy Metzger about some of our favorite Christmas movies, and uh guys, I feel like we we've hit a lot on the the magical Christmas movies we've hit a lot on the um the the romance Christmas movies. We haven't hit too big on the family Christmas celebration kind of films and that that kind of side of the spirit of the season. Uh, so I wanted to to spend this last segment talking about those kind of films and I got to start out with uh with one of my other favorites one of the ones that is just an absolute must see uh for me and my family every year and that is A Christmas Story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know it is it is very much that whole spirit of Christmas through the eyes of a child. Uh kind of film with, with you know all the family tra- trappings and all the, the excitement that goes on at the season and how all of that is seen through the eyes of Ralphie, the, uh, the, the uh, what is he, nine years old in the film, I want to say, or something like that? Sounds uh, right. And, uh, you know, set, set in uh, kind of this nebulous late 40s period, uh, and all he wants is his Red Rider BB gun for Christmas, but everybody tells him, you'll shoot your eye out, kid, and, uh, he's, it's all about Ralphie scheming to get his Red Rider BB gun, but at the same time, with all the, the trappings of the family. And it's just, again one of these films it was not successful when it was originally released, uh, in the mid 80s. And, uh, but then found a life, uh, really, I think through, uh, through TBS was, uh, starting an annual marathon of the film. I think is how a lot of people discovered it, uh, myself included. And, uh, it's just become one of those films that now the holiday is not complete without it. I've got to watch the Christmas story at least once. Uh, And I, you know, I went out and bought it on Blu-ray. I own it. Uh, So I I can watch it anytime I want. Uh, But I, I, but I really only watch it this time of year. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's, it's funny because I've read stories about, uh, you know, all the same kid actors were going out for all the same stuff. And I've heard, uh, Will Wheaton was was jealous of Peter Billingsley because he really wanted uh, to play Ralphie. And uh, at the same time, Peter Billingsley was jealous of Will Wheaton for getting Stand By Me. Uh, and, you know, again, also, I got to say, too, there's a direct connection. And I'm not going to give it the same kind of level that I gave Elf, but there's a direct con- connection between Peter Billingsley and... And the Marvel Cinematic Universe. First of all, there is he has. First of all, he has an on-camera role. He was in the original Iron Man movie, and then they brought him back for uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, the most recent uh, film. Uh, but he's a, he's a director that moves in those same kind of circles and has worked a lot with John Favreau and with uh, with Vince Vaughn. He is very much primarily a director these days. Uh, that you know, kind of help give them a leg up to the, the stuff that they're doing now. So, you know, again, you know, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen without a Christmas story. It's a little bit of a different situation, but, uh, but it's, it's fun to note that there, those connections are there. Uh, I got to assume you guys love this movie. Like I do. Jeremy, are you a fan?
2: This to me, Julio, like uh, if you said, elf is the perfect Christmas movie for you. This is absolutely the the quintessential uh, Christmas movie to me. It, It was released in 1983. I was born in 82, and I literally don't remember a time that that this movie was a a part of my life. It really uh, has a deep uh, connection to my my family history and and growing up and and definitely um, just being something that we went back to year after year. And the fact that my parents loved it. And, you know, when I was young... I definitely enjoyed it from the perspective of a young man, Ralphie. You know, uh, growing up in this in this uh, different kind of you know environment from what we were used to, even at the time, as a very nostalgia fueled movie for people my parents' age. But it wasn't until years later that I realized how impeccably done the humor in this movie is. It is so sharp and funny and just a very very enjoyable movie uh there are so many quotable lines from it there are so many iconic moments from it whether it's ralphie going down the slide or when he finally does get the red rider bb gun or the the dream sequence in the classroom i mean this is just a movie that i i I feel like this encapsulates everything awesome about christmas and if there it, it makes me so angry that there's some sort of like backlash to this because TBS played it so much that i think a lot of people got sick of seeing it so a lot of times when i'll be like oh christmas story is my favorite christmas movie they just like groan at me and i'm like how dare you blame this movie uh, because TBS decided to play it too much or whatever we, but we um, have a wor- I, we yeah. have
1: a word for those people jeremy the word is wrong
2: Correct. Yes. yes. Those wrong. people are wrong. Will, it's just that simple. I uh, will know, back pocket that one. I
1: find that for me that uh, over the years, as, I, as I've as i gotten older, that this film becomes less Ralphie's film and more the old man's film. Like the old man is like, I think the the stealth protagonist of this movie. And uh, man, Darren McGavin is so good in this role. He, I mean, every year I just find like a little bit more nuance to what he does with this. And, and 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 how he's dialed in when you don't think he's dialed in, and how he's paying attention. And he's always there, and, and how much he really cares for his family. Uh, it's he's just shout right. out to
2: Melinda Dillon as well. Oh, Melinda, I think she's such yeah. a wonderful mother. She's fantastic, but man, Darren
1: McGavin. Yeah, and keep in mind, this is a role that Jack Nicholson wanted to play. Oh wow! And 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 did not get. And I think it's, the oh, film okay. is better for it because I don't think Jack Nicholson would have done with with that character, what Darren McGavin was able to do. And uh, I just, you know, and yeah, you're right, you know, there's all the quotes, you know, you know, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. But, you know, who doesn't think of this time of year for a g-lay? You know, I mean, that's yeah. you, that's become, a, it's become such a thing that now, like, the the leg lamp, which really has nothing to do with Christmas, uh, and in fact, that little segment of the film really has almost nothing to do with Christmas, Uh but that leg lamp has become a holiday icon now. You know, it has. Yeah, there's a, you know, but I didn't say fudge. I said, <laughs> I said the word. Yeah, there's so many little moments like that. I know Scott Farkas, he had yellow eyes. I swear to God, they were yellow. <laughs> uh, a- Andy, i got to give you a chance to chime in here. I'm sure you're a fan of this film as well.
0: I am, and you... Jumped right in with the comment about Darren McGavin as the old man. He almost steals the film. He plays this role so well. And the the kids are great. The youth actors are wonderful. But uh, the old man role, whether I'm seeing it on film or seeing it on stage, as I have several times, that role is is an important one, and it's a role that sticks with you. I like the comparison to Elf, too, for this reason both films give you plentiful humor, but they reach out and touch your heart just when you least expect them to. And you don't realize you're getting emotional until you're getting emotional. So I think there's a good parallel between those two.
1: Well, there's definitely two other films that I think we have to mention on the family side of this or else somebody's going to to come to my door and and drag me out and uh, (laughs) drag me behind a one-horse open sleigh or something uh but uh christmas vacation with uh with you know chevy chase and the Griswolds of course is, is definitely one that has has become iconic and 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 has a huge holiday following are either of you a big fan of that particular film
2: I am, I am. absolutely
1: Jerry uh, Jerry let's hear a little bit about that film
2: uh, same kind of deal it it was just one that uh you know like back in the day and I'm I'm sure both of you gentlemen remember this when when we would transfer VHS's onto the blanks and then write in the the title of them, we had like seven or eight different, uh, ripped VHS's and, uh, Vacation was one of them. It's another, it's a very fun, very funny movie. It might not hit the emotional highs of some of the other ones that we've talked about, but I think it more than makes up for that and just ridiculously hilarious moments with Clark. I feel like for me, obviously Vacation being the strongest and then, uh, immediately afterward would be Christmas Vacation. This is one that we we've also put on every year.
1: Another one that's eminently quotable, but I think the uh the the two big quotes uh from that film I don't think I can say on the radio unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and then of course the the other one that I, I think you have to mention is is of course Home Alone. Right. Which mm. I, I I gotta be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. I know Sacrilege, but I know people absolutely love this film. And it is absolutely a holiday film and is very much about, uh, you know, it is about family, but it's about family in a weird way in that they accidentally leave one of their 947 children behind as they uh, get set to go on a family holiday. Uh, Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, you can't deny that whether you're a fan of the film or not, that it's absolutely become iconic and has absolutely become a part of uh, people's holiday celebrations. We're running out of time, but I, I would be remiss if before we go, I didn't mention the 987 film versions of A Christmas Carol, which is, of course, probably the all-time classic Christmas, uh, Christmas story. Uh, and I, I, I real quick wanted to give each of you a chance to, to talk, about, tell me about which one is your favorite. And, Andy, I'll start with you on that.
0: I'm going to have a, a dual answer very quickly, George C. Scott in the classic version. He plays Scrooge in a very real, organic way. He makes that character arc work because you believe him. I've seen Scrooge overdone many times, and it hurts the story. Addendum, favorite contemporary version, Scrooge with Bill Murray as Frank Cross in the Scrooge role. I absolutely love that film. That's A and B right there.
1: Jeremy, how about you? What's your What's your favorite version of A Christmas Carol?
2: let's mix it up a little bit. I thought Andy and I were going to be on the exact same page, but yes, George C. Scott's a Christmas Carol would probably be the, the superior uh, adaptation of the movie. It, it's very, very well done. Great performances all around. And my personal favorite as a child of the 1980s is a Muppet Christmas Carol. So, uh, those are, those are my two answers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Both of those are great. Uh, I got to go with Scrooge myself. I'm maybe it's because I'm just such a Bill Murray fan, but, uh, I really love that version. It's a, it's a great contemporary version, and yeah. always a lot of fun. But you can't really go wrong with that film. Uh, and you know, guys, you really can't go wrong with the two of you to talk to about holiday films. So thank you so much for uh, for hanging out today and 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 chatting up the holiday films. We are out of time, unfortunately. But folks, we will be back next week with much more. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.